you freaking auto? This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Yes, it is Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Brock, uh, for the last couple days, as strange as it's been, we've started to see better at bats in Mariner games. We've started to see a better started approach. Turn around. No, I'm not saying that. So no, I got saying, I got called out on that earlier. So I'm not saying, saying that. saying there's a chance. Nope, just saying that. It's percolating. We're seeing better at bats. Good. We're seeing a better approach. Last yeah. night, it actually led to a nice win. In a bunch of the previous games, it did not. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see sort of a better approach lead to some better results. But they do seem to have a better approach at the plate. And I don't know. It's not too late. They're only four and a half back in the in the wild card. So yep. now what? Now win a series against a good right. freaking team. How about that? Well, you How got about, it all set up. You got Kirby and, and Castillo throwing the next two games of this series. Yeah, you've won two series versus winning teams this year. That right. is it. Houston at home and Pittsburgh at home. And, and, and Miami's a good team. They are. They came in. Winners of 12 of 15. They came in hot. They, they've got, you know, some some young talent. And, and they're a good team. And they're five, six, seven games over 500. So beat a winning team. Put that little pelt on the wall. Put that little feel good on the wall. Do yep. and, and and not just like beat them because even in both of those series, if you remember those two series wins, it took some like heroic efforts. It took a, a five run eighth inning. It, it took some late game magic against Pittsburgh, and that's baseball. But you know, go do what you did last night. You know, go stomp on them. Go go and when you get a chance and you add get an on, opportunity to on, add on and yeah. tag on and and not get thrown out on the base pass and play good baseball. Go do it. Go do it at your home. And I was glad to see 24-some thousand last night on a beautiful night once again show up and show you that, hey, you know, we're not 7,000 strong. We're not 10,000 strong. Like, we, we love this place. We love you guys. Now go put it together. Go put it together. And I, I will say Teo and Suarez, I think, are the two that are pretty key cogs in mm-hmm. that. We can talk about your stars. We can talk about Julio. And it starts and ends for with the last, him. For the last week or so, Teo's hitting. Uh, for the last for this month of June, he's hit right, me. but especially in the last week or so, the strikeouts have been down. the The contact has been a lot harder. He's doing everything you want, and it sounds like they did make some sort of philosophical, conversational change. Scott talked about it after the game last night. Uh, I think I said it um, in the road trip after we got out of Texas. We wanted to, to change our messaging up a little bit on what we were trying to do. Um, really focusing on hitting as many balls in the middle of the field as you can. And it has helped out. It certainly helped Teo out a bunch. I think he's been really good here over the last week or so. Um, Ty kind of does it naturally, but it needs to be. You need a conscious effort to do it, and it just it gives you a better chance of, of making better swing decisions when you're not trying to pull everything. And our guys are doing it. They're getting really good results, and they're still pulling balls. <laughs> and you know what? Suarez's home run to right center was that his first. To, to center, right center this no, year? No, but it was among, this year. among the first. Now, we had one earlier this year that I he remember. Did. But okay. it, it, it was among the first. <laughs> well, there's not been a ton of them. <laughs> so been a lot. I think we could count on two hands, and a little over one hand, the total number of home runs. So, But that was, I mean, yeah, I think that those two guys, the more that I think about it, and I know you, you, you talked to Nauseam yesterday with Shannon about this focus topic. Right. And had this conversation. And I know we can dig back into it today. 
But to me, those are those are the two guys, right? Because they're the two veteran guys, right? They're they're still the Cal Raleigh's and the Kelnicks and the Julios and and JP's a veteran guy. I could throw him on the list, but he does some of this. He he's leads this team in on base percentage. He's been largely who he's always been, if not more, and hitting the ball harder. But I think those two guys, whose personalities and especially Eugenio's, is not. <laughs> is not this just hyper-focused Scott service. It's just, you know, hey, man, let's go. Let's ride. Let's let's play, you know. I mean, he's just he's fun-loving. He's vibes. Mm-hmm. He's vibes. But when you're struggling as much as he was struggling, yeah. that affects the vibes. I would say it's vibes. even more than that. Yes, it's vibes. It's also just they need power. Correct. Those are the guys that have power. And, you know, as Jerry mentioned last Thursday, they've had a power outage so far this year. Well, those are the two guys you're sort of pointing at for more power. Uh, A couple of texts that come in. Salk, you and your bleeping approach, they still swing at first pitch strikes. I haven't changed anything. Well, again, I don't think you maybe listened to all of that. I think what we're saying is that they're trying to focus more on going up the middle. And by the way, they don't mind swinging at first pitches. If those pitches are in the strike zone, part of their philosophy is absolutely to swing at them. If that's a pitch that you can do damage on Salk, it was one friggin' game last night. You seem to do this all the time. Why don't you wait a series or so for accolades on the Mariners? I don't know what accolades means. Is it accolades? Is that what we're going? I don't know what that is, but regardless. That was voice to text. Give him a break. I am not telling you that the Mariners have turned a corner. One game, they played good baseball last night. I will say for the last week, for the last, what, one against the Marlins, three against the Angels, and one of the two against the Padres, they've had a better approach at the plate. Mm -hmm. They have. Their approach has been better. They've done better things. They had that one really nice game against the Padres. I thought in two, maybe two of the three games against the Angels and certainly last night. So that's what, four of your last six, something like that. Mm-hmm. They've had better approaches. In a few of those games, it's translated into wins. In a few of them, it hasn't. And in one of those games, the pitching was really lousy. But I, I would say that their approach has been better for the last week. Scott's still concerned about the focus, and he mentioned that after not yesterday's game, but the one before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really big concern, right? Because the consistency of focus, that's that's the issue, right? But obviously, Brock, the messaging is working because you heard it. You always like to say when you you hear it repeated, Scott mentioned going up the middle is what Ty France said after the game. Yeah, I think as a mindset, um, you know, it it has helped us a lot. Um, That way, you know, it gives us a little wiggle room. If we're late on balls, we still have half the field to work with. If we're early, got the other half. So um, I think it's just not not necessarily changing our swings or anything. It's just kind of a mindset. And, um, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, it seems to be working right now. Yeah, and this mindset, man, it has been a uh, up and down roller coaster, right? I mean, it has been just, a, and, and that's what thirty-two and thirty-three ball clubs do. Mm-hmm. And and you beat bad teams, you struggle against some of these good teams. You still try to find your footing of who you were. I know so much of the discussion, and it'll be fun to talk to Passon in a little over an hour. You know, last week was hey, you counted way too much on guys, you know, doing it again, and and you knew some were going to regress and. And obviously the whole DH conversation and yada, 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 yada. But golly, man, through 65 games, if I think of our conversations here on this morning show, man, we have been just kind of, it's just bounced all over the place because they've just tried to find 
Consistency. Focus. Consistency. Yes. 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 And, and I don't mean like all over the place, like fire Scott. I mean, all over the place of just, okay, now here's Scott delivering the message. Okay. Now here's the position, you know, players delivering the message. Okay. Now here's some of the vets delivering the message. Okay. Now here's the message. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in that, you know, and I've been on a lot of football teams and, and I've told you this before, you know, about this USFL league that I cover. What I enjoy about it is it's such a test tube. Like you get to see, like it's a ten-week season of some pretty good talented players still, but which ones actually buy in? Which ones develop very quickly? It's a three-week camp, you know. Which ones like each other? Like all of these things that you know, I love to talk about. They aren't always measured. That I and then I listen to it all. I feel it all. I see it all on the sidelines. And you're like, yeah, yeah. You see why this coach and this team quits. And quits on each other. Or you see why this team believes in one another. Or, yeah, man, they found their identity. And, yeah, this offensive group is yet to find their identity. But thankfully, you have about 98 games to go. And yeah. if it's this, if it's this. Whatever you know, it is, man. Whatever the messaging is that finally clicks for this team, great. Yep. And I don't know if this is going to work or not. It has worked better over the course of the last five or six games. I do see that. Better at bats, fewer swing and misses at pitches out Knocking of the zone. Pitchers out of the right? game they only early. struck out yep. six times last night. Yeah, they've been they've been taking more pitches. Hitting a few lefties, so good. Which didn't do. Yep. So those are those are all positives. That doesn't mean that it's going to translate into them turning their season around. But those are positives. Those are good signs. And generally, when the process is right, eventually the results will follow. So we'll wait and see. Their process is better if the results can follow. Then, you know, they'll drag themselves right back into the middle of this and we'll all have a fun summer. And if yeah. not, we're going to be really, really annoyed with this team. I know we got need to know next 20 minutes. I got a hot take. You know, I mean, it's what happens oh. when, when you, you know, you're off traveling, working over the weekends. I got I think I got a hot take, but I think a lot of people are going to agree. With all me right. 20 minutes away from a hot take from Brock yep. Heward. First, we'll give you everything you actually need to know and we'll do it next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, sure nice to see the Mariners show up last night. They hadn't done that in a while, and it's always fun when they do. They look great right from the jump, both on the mound and at the plate. And it was the offense that certainly stole the show. And the pitch swinging a fly ball deep into the gap in left center field. Going and going and going. It will fly, fly, fly away. With a three-run home run into the Mariners' bullpen. Four runs are in here in the bottom of the second. The Mariners now lead the Marlins six to nothing. Rick Riz given a fly fly away. He was so excited last night. How about that? Uh, fewer strikeouts, a better approach, and you know what else seemed to help them a little bit last night? Nice night. Obviously, the it's warmer, and we saw it tonight. The ball carries in this ballpark, and uh I think Geno's hit that ball a few times, and it doesn't go out. Um, Murph, normally in April and May, that ball doesn't go out, but it does, and it just changes you know, your whole uh, attitude, perspective on things, but really good at bats tonight. And uh, credit to the guys. We had a really good plan, and they stuck to it and got some results. So nice way to start the homestand. Careful, Mr. Service. Just be careful. Okay, La Nina has been very friendly to the Northwest through May and June. Okay? It has been, but not when the Mariners have been at home. <laughs> It's only been nice out when they've been, it's been bizarre. Like, it's only been nice out when they're gone. 
Yeah. As soon as they've come back, other yeah. than that one night against Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Yankees were it was pretty nice. It was uh, nice for that. It was, pretty, it was pretty nice for yeah. that. And Pittsburgh and, and La Nina has been very, very nice. And it was nice to see power. And I think for everybody, everybody in the building, the nearly 25,000 in the stands, mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody that works for the team, covers the team, around the team, that three-run bomb, you could just go, oh. Isn't this nice? Right. Isn't that? Well, wouldn't those be really nice? Because by the way, this team is twenty-seven and fourteen when they hit a home run. They're twenty-seven to fourteen when the power comes back on for this team. There should be more of it. Hopefully, that warm weather. Scott is right. Maybe La Nina can continue. You know, the Suns been out. Let's continue to kick the temperatures up because you know when the power's on this team wins they certainly do bryce miller uh that'll help too when you only allow one hit the bullpen takes it from there eight one your final score yesterday nice to be coming off a win and then you got kirby and castillo back to back chance to hopefully win a series against a pretty good marlins team uh going forward here's the second thing you need Some to know. Some roster moves yesterday as well. They placed Penn Murphy back on the IL with elbow inflammation. Not a great sign there. Uh, also called up and Ty Adcock uh, in his place. Young pitcher made his debut last night and threw two scoreless, hitless innings. Allowed one error and then like six rockets off the bat that all went directly to people. So uh, congratulations to him. Did you like the interview with his parents last night? What did you think of that? <laughs> I didn't like that as much as the Virginia baseball interview. Did you guys play that yesterday? We didn't because it turns out it's like three years old. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, that's it's like two years old. Two years old. That guy was terrific. Yeah. Do you know? The, do, do you hear some of the story on this Ty Adcock? Oh yeah. Do you know he was an outfielder at Elon? He was I an did. outfielder. And you know, you know how I know that? You know who told us that? Jerry Depoto. Ty Adcock, who was actually the right fielder on on George Kirby's college team. And an eighth-round pick for us uh, a couple of years back has had a lot of injury. I mean, maybe if you listened to Brock, you would have heard that. Well, to I be apologize. fair, I think Brock was out that I day. I think I was out that. Oh, don't you go back and listen though? Yeah, no, I think I was. Things, I think I'm pretty sure I was in. Pretty sure you go back and Florida. listen. No, I was pretty sure. I mean, that's fine. I just I figured that's something you might. But I'm have, pretty you know, sure remember. for all of the youth parents, by the way. Yet again, another reminder. I saw somebody uh, retweet this. Some major leaguer, some executive, somebody retweeted this. They, this perfect game. Are you familiar with perfect games? Yes. It's like AAU basketball, right? But even in some ways more organized, bigger, and certainly more profitable. And anyhow, they had this pitcher, and it was class of 2029. I'm like, hey, keep an eye on class of 20. I'm like, hold on a second. Titus is class of 2028. <laughs> I only know that because I saw a T-shirt of his, right? Uh, and I'm like, he's a seventh. This kid's in sixth grade. And they're like, keep, keep an, an eye, eye on, on him. him. He sits 70 to 75 with an off speed pitch. <laughs> and this executive was like, hey, uh, why don't you tone it down a notch? Colleges don't even start recruiting now. They can't until kids are in or juniors in high school. He's a he's a sixth grader. And on top of that, Ty Adcock was a right fielder in college at right. Elon with Kirby. He's throwing 97 with a hook. And he did it last night. Got him through two innings, which they certainly needed. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, Brock, I'm sure you're excited about this. The Denver Nuggets are champions of the NBA. How about that? Three or four people have been fans of the Nuggets for longer than Whoa. 20 minutes, and they were all very excited about it. Is one of those D-Mac? 
I don't know. Our, how about our sister station? When the Sonics come back, and the Sonics are coming back, and we'll see what happens. If what, But when they come back, if they win a title, do you think we would be on the air for 24 hours like they are? So no. the game finishes last night. They have two guys from 11 to 2, and then DMAC goes on. To, he did his show 2 to 6 p.m., goes to the arena, and then DMAC goes on from 2 to 6 a.m. For who? For, I don't know. Nuggets fans? Well, did you see the streets of Denver last no, night? I Man, didn't. Were there a lot pretty, of people out there? Pretty, pretty good. I'm sure the parade will be. I've never heard. Honestly, big. I'm not saying there aren't Nuggets fans. I'm just saying I've never heard of one. Well, I had never heard of Rockies fans either. And then when they played in the World Series in 07, they came out of the woodwork. Like yeah, you've got kind of like a, a Denver <laughs> thing, though, because you live there and you've got some like Denver bitterness and all that. I love Denver. But I, I always liked the city. Nuggets. They were the one team that I didn't have a That's because there was nobody there. You had no reason not to like them. There were 18,000 in the arena when they played on their road. So when they played the Heat, they opened their arena up, yeah. and there were 18,000 well, to fill their stadium. That's so they're, they're, they're pretty Well, I'm sure the Broncos will be the third straight team to win it for them next year. Miami tries to avoid losing both series tonight. Panthers down 3-1 to Vegas. That is everything you need to know, and we do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salt Show. Yeah, I got a hot take, and I've had 10 minutes to think about it, and I'm not backing down. From oh, it. wow. And is this the one may... you told us earlier? Yep. Oh, and it, <laughs> it's that hot. And it may. It's not a hot take. It's it may. Hot take oh, it's going to be a hot take. No, it's People really not. People have to disagree with you for it to be a hot take. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to strengthen it. I'm oh, gonna... you're going to make it. You're going to go <laughs> lean into it a little farther. Yeah, I'm going to lean into it All a little right. further. I, I chum the water with you three. What do you think? You don't think I test my hot takes with you three before the show? Brock is going to be back here in just a moment with a hot take that is not even really lukewarm. It's a tepid take with Brock Heward Watch next. Your mouth. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. There's nothing worse than a disappointment. There's nothing worse than being set up for something big only to receive something small. And so I I don't want to disappoint to anybody. I want you to know that Brock is going to deliver a tepid take. He calls it hot. He's excited about it. But I just, you know what, Brock, expectation game is important. Okay. So I want people to know that there's a tepid take coming. Okay. Well, I got two. Actually, I got two takes. I got so many takes today. It's like Gorilla Glass. (laughs) I do a week in the USFL, and look, I come back with just Gorilla Glass. Uh, Here's tepid take number one. European basketball players are better than American basketball players. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're trained to be better. Um, And Kobe Bryant said it eight years ago, and now Luka Doncic and uh, the Greek Freak, and and now add Jokic to that list of just the skill training and skill development in Europe is better than the AAU ball, ragged ball in America. So that's tepid take number one. Um, But along those lines, and this is basketball-themed, in 1976, two things happened. In 1976, yours truly was born. Yes. And in 1976, the Denver Nuggets made their way to the NBA. That's when they were birthed in the NBA. So 47 years later, they win a championship. Fast forward one year. One year. One year. 1977. 1977. I don't know if you you heard the name Freddie Mercury. Freddie what? Freddie Mercury? Mercury? Are, are you familiar? Is that right? Freddie Mer- I think it's Mercury. Oh, Mercury? Mer- oh, am I? Mercury? Freddie Mercury? Mercury? What did I say? <laughs> I've not heard of Freddie Mercury. No. Mer- yes. Have you heard of Freddie with the big teeth? Freddie Mercury. He, he yes, was the front man the of the band Queen. named Queen. An amazing show and movie made of him, by the way, a few years back. Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. Uh, are you familiar with this song that was birthed? 1977. You know I am. I've, I've heard this on classic. Have you heard it a few times? times? Yeah. I can 
Probably don't. I'm pretty know. sure they played it in Denver after the Broncos won that preseason game you against the Probably Seahawks don't know. The ten years after that song, in December of 1987, okay. a monumental day in the Hewitt family, a monumental day in the Puyallup community, a monumental day as the Puyallup Vikings and Billy Joe Holbert won the state championship, and that song blasting on the bus, yes. blasting in the house, blasting on Ninth Street for weeks, and it's it so was unique. Awesome. Oh my gosh, was it awesome 10 years later. I'm here to say that some 47 years later, here's the take, that song is better today than it was even in 1977. Why do you say that? Because it played last night and it's still, and you can, you could see it in the arena. When they played that song in the arena, Jamal Murray, you know, they, they interview him at the perfect time and he's just in tears. Right, Jamal Murray, born in, in Canada, played one year in Kentucky. He's been an up and down, horrific knee injury a few years ago. But you play that song, and it brings you to tears. And what I'm saying is that 47 years later, not only is it better now than it was then, give me another song 47 years later that is, is sticky in our culture amongst so many sports is that song. Give well, me another I, I, one. I might be with Brock I mean, this. We Will Rock You. That's that's really good, and, and I played in my workouts, and it's you know played in football warm ups. It's good. I it's a, it's, I it's very good. No, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, nope, nope. Okay. I play it. Nope, I'll play "Eye of the Tiger" for my baseball players tomorrow night, and it's on this. It's on the song list. Okay. It's good. It's good. Yeah, but I, I guarantee I you, I play that song, and twelve year olds stop. Mm. I play that song, and fifty year olds in the arena stop. Gee. I play that song, and athletes of any sport stop. Give me another one. I actually give me agree. I agree with you. I'm not going to keep arguing with you. That's why I said this isn't a very hot take. It's at best <laughs> tepid. Yes, it is one of the, the best. And what I would say to you, Brock, is the reason it's so great is that it doesn't get overused. It only gets used in that Ooh, situation. Oh, good point. And because of it, it good is now point. synonymous. Well, this is what I'm here to sort of help you with your hot takes or whatever yeah, you call them. Sure. Is, uh-huh. is because they have, you know, it, it is... Scarcity, Salk. It's the scarcity. It's not it. just the scarcity. It's that you know it's coming, and it's it's sort of like the ring and the ceremony. It's part of all of that, mm-hmm. which is what makes it so and, sweet. And you watch other teams and other, maybe your parents or whatever, celebrate it. Now you're part of the club when it, it plays for your team. I remember so, yeah, the scene in far. the movie, too, when Freddie Mercury first composed Mercury's it. definitely It's, it's one it of the best yeah. scenes in Bohemian Rhapsody, I thought. <laughs> it was really a, really a gem. So, but, but tell me, seriously, how many other songs? How many other songs between the baseball I mean, center culture, field. The football culture. Center field. The basketball culture. Put me in coach. I can play center field. I mean, yeah. that, that's still oh, played in a lot right. of baseball games. A lot of ba- um, but uh, Absolutely, in baseball. But how many of them have the crossover effect? Heck, even if, uh, if Vegas wins this and they play it in Vegas, right? Even in hockey. In, how many of those songs, great songs, through the year songs, have that kind of carryover effect amongst all those different sports cultures? Yeah, it's it's this one. You're it's right. so good. And do you think he knew? Do you think Queen knew? Right at the at probably, the end, yeah. at the at <laughs> the end of yeah. at the end of the movie, right? I think Freddie had a more than enough confidence. I think he probably did know what he had done. Yeah. At the end of the movie, he sings that song right in front of the where where was that? Was it Wembley? The the huge audience, the huge 
uh, event that they had. And, and I think that was one of the, at least in the movie, that was the last song that they performed. Yeah, and I do wonder, like, if you could say to Freddie 40-some years later, I know he's passed, but, like, hey, look at look at this song and, and look at the genius of it and look at how it came about and look at the creative and, and how it emerged and look at how it's still, it just still sticks in all of the sports culture. And certainly as schmaltzy as I am, last night I thought of 1987, man. Mm. To your point, Justin, of all the, the, the kids and the families and the parents and the grandparents, right, who have heard that song, who have maybe had that opportunity to be a champion at a high school level or collegiate level or professional level or, heck, even a youth sports level at their banquet to play that song, you know, and my girls at the high school state championships a couple of years ago, and it's still a sticky. Mm. You're Text smiling. message what? 907. Ow! Ouch, help! I feel the burn of this take. <laughs> oh, wait, that's just a toe that I stubbed on the corner of the couch. It's no Super Bowl shuffle, but I would agree, Brock. It's yes, all Thank right. You, anyway, uh, very good hot take, Brock. Thank You're you uh, for bringing it to light this well, morning. Let me know if you ever heard that take before. I haven't. You know, it's, years it's new, it's unique, yep. and you're the only one. Uh, I'll Appreciate give you a, a tepid take of my own. You know what I can't stand? Maura, you sent this last night, and I like a lot of what was written here. But this is one of those things that just drives me absolutely crazy is these playoff odds and, you know, game, winning game, you know, chance to win the game odds. I hate it. I just every time I see it, I cannot stand it. I think odds are valid and relevant and there is a reason to use them in sports. But this like, well, you have a four percent chance of winning the game at this point in the game. And then they want like, who cares? I just I couldn't find it less relevant chances to make the playoffs chances to win the game like just play the game. That's how that's how it Mike, works. It's called analytics. Yeah, okay? it's not. I though. know I really, you're I think a boomer. I know you don't like these numbers. I know it's you don't like be the, less true. I, the nerds out there that sharpen the pencils and tell you they've got a six percent chance now. Yes, and they're going to win somewhere between seventy nine and eighty one. Why don't you just understand? Yes, I just, noted noted Brock or er, er, uh, Salk is the boomer, right? Yes. Right, that's uh, me. Very very boomerific. Yep. I just find that to be absurd. Well, anyway, let's be very clear. I am old yes. and yes. I am basic. You are both. Yes, Bradford Doolittle, uh, who I. Think won one of the golf tournaments you were talking about with Wyndham Clark, right? Uh, he wrote a piece on all 30 teams and kind of where they stand ahead of the trade deadline in terms of tiers. And we can ask Passon about this when he joins us at 8:30. And he has the Mariners and what he has is tier three, which are idling. We're just idling. Most of the teams in this tier could go either way, right? So he writes this about the Mariners, uh, why they could go either way. The playoff structure currently includes 12 clubs. The Mariners have a solid argument that they are one of baseball's 12 best teams. Yet, look at the playoff odds, which say it's 6%. Seattle is underachieved, not severely, but after last season, we certainly expected more. Exemplifying this is young star Julio Rodriguez. He's been good, but rather than cementing his status as baseball's newest superstar, he's shown his still tender age and that he has more to learn in terms of plate approach and consistency. The rotation's been gut-punched. By injury, especially the season ender suffered by Robbie Ray. Isn't it interesting to kind of hear a completely like outside yes. take of what's happened this year? And it's not always the same as what you might think. Yep. All this aside, the low probability is in large part due to circumstance. Given the strength of all five teams in the AL East and the two top clubs, Rangers and Astros in the Mariners' own division, they can be a winning club and still be squeezed out of the postseason bracket. You have to differentiate yourself in this year's AL, and the Mariners thus far have been unable to do that. Isn't it interesting when you hear yes. an outside view on the like I hadn't necessarily thought of the rotation as being gut punched by the Robbie Ray injury. 
But, you know, as as you go on here, you know, that may end up being the case if Brian Wu has to limit his innings and Marco mm-hmm. Gonzalez isn't able to come back. And all of a sudden you're going, man, they've lost four starters. What are they going to do? They can't keep yeah. rolling everybody out there. I, I would challenge that one. I, that, to me, feels like someone from afar that flies in, and I have to do that. So I understand that mm-hmm. job, right? I do that every single week in the college season where I study up as much as I can. I watch my tape. I look at all my numbers. But I don't understand because I don't live it and breathe it every single right. day yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're in the market. I wouldn't say that. I would say they have been gut punched when you add Marco to it. If you want to say, you know, you've lost two-fifths of mm-hmm. your starting rotation because Bryce has come in and four of his eight starts has done something no one else in baseball since 1902 has done, right? Allow two yeah. hits and no, six I innings I think that's pitch. true, but you're now sort of getting yourself to a depth conversation where Chris yes. Flexen has had a disastrous season. Correct. I mean, every time he comes in, it's like waving the white flag. I mean, he, he has just been awful. And Marco's right now hurt. We'll see whether or not he's able to make it back. And Ray's done for the year. And, yep. you know, even the first guy they decided to go with was that uh, Easton McGee. And he's done for the year also. So it's like. So you like hmm. odds in blackjack, right? I'm, I'm just trying to understand this a little bit. Yes, because I like feel the like they're based on reality. In the percentages. <laughs> and here's the cards in blackjack. Yes. I know those that love the game of craps and, and play that religiously. Love you, Jamie. Uh, and those guys that think, you know, I can get this down to what, two and a half percent where yep. the house has like a, that's your best odds in that entire building. So you kind of know that odds play a role in those casinos mm-hmm. that every once in a while you enjoy frequenting. You don't enjoy these kind of odds. Because those odds in the casino are because of randomly pulling cards. It's not about, hu- there's no human element to it. It's just straight chance. Right, I think a lot of people are chuckling right now, going with every at bat of AJ know, Pollock right? or Teo when those guys step in the box. It is you don't know what you're going to get. I and think it that's feels true. Like but they're actual human chance. beings who are playing those games, <laughs> right? whereas the blackjack dealer is just taking the next card out and giving it to you. Right, right. Craps. There's a roll of the dice. There's they're, they're not they're not but weighted. You, but in a control the zone, you can't control what that first pitch is. You can't control but what card it's not comes even just out. That. They're just humans. Is this is this guy a human? Have you heard of the name Freddie Mercury? <laughs> Barely. What was wrong with that? Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. What what is wrong with that? Mercury. There you go. That's right. Freddie. What did I say there? Play. Have you again. heard of the name Freddie Mercury? <laughs> Mercury. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> Fine, go ahead and He's challenge. He's from the planet Venice, I think, <laughs> right? It's the one right after Mercury. It goes Mercury, Venice, Earth, and then Mars, <laughs> right? If I'm not mistaken, then eventually you, you get to. Mars. Huh? Mozart, Mars. Mozart. Oh, Mars. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Mars. <laughs> Uh, we missed anyway. you while you were gone, Brock. Uh, that, yeah, you I heard the name yesterday. Freddie Mercury. Mercury. <laughs> Mercury. So you don't mind these playoff odds? You think there's some legitimacy no, to it? I, 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 I think it's I, so stupid. They do change so rapidly. It's a little bit, and I'm not not hot take here, but it's a little bit like climate change. And the state of California oh, is in a go. drought for years and years and years, right? And all of a sudden, you get Mother Nature that shakes her finger and says, no, not so fast, my friend. Wow. And I'm going to dump more snow and more rain on you. And all of a sudden... You know, those lakes that are disappeared forever, guess what? They come back. So, no, I'm with you on that front that all of this can change in two weeks. The Oakland A's have won six, six in, a row. in a row. Yes. I mean, the, these things can – it's it's why your, your buddy Passon, I think, never agreed with you any, any ever more than he did about, what, six weeks ago when you brought up those – or I brought up the playoff odds, and he went, 
<laughs> I'm so with them. It's yes. so stupid. They really are ridiculous. Now, here's one They're thing not as understand. ridiculous as the in-game odds. Those, to me, are the dumbest yes. thing in the world. Those are the stupidest. Do you know what? I was just looking at some Vegas odds that get emailed to me. Do you know what the Mariners' playoff chances were before the year began? Before the year began, their playoff chances, according to Vegas, this isn't even the analytics, this is just Vegas. 35%? 94%. Oh, wow. They believe that the Mariners were going to make the playoffs 94%, that they were one of the, is that? Bunch of homers. Article said, you know, number 12%. And according to this article, and these new analytics, you know what they are? 6%. Yeah. I think they're probably somewhere in between. You think so? <laughs> I think they're probably somewhere in between 96 and 6 uh, at this point, because on any given night, you don't always know what you're going to get. Too Last bad, night proved too that. Too bad they sure. weren't exactly at 88%. It would have been the perfect lead-in to Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Okay. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Think about this. I'm going to add a third to my list. Jeez, I hope it's more about climate change. That certainly doesn't have the text machine fired up. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to add a third to my list. I was great at the neck machine. You've Tremendous at pull-ups. Yep. And you know what else I was, unfortunately, like my, maybe my greatest strength as a quarterback? Spelling. My cadence. I had a great cadence. I listened to these guys in the USFL. Down. Blue 90. Blue 90. So heck, n- no juice. Really? Not the, oh, and it drives me up a wall. And I'm like, come on, man. You know, it's not my place to tell you how to do a cadence, but give me a good booty like I, I could bark it, right? I mean, I was pretty good at that. It's weird that that didn't translate into you being a better quarterback over the years. You would think that would have been, you know, kind of all you need. The presentation was good. The performance, right. not always excellent. I would Solved be The process was great. The results didn't always come my way. <laughs> all right, question number one for you, buddy. There is still a list of 100 NFL free agents out there, and you're probably going to know a lot of them by name if you went through it. Who stands out? What's still on the market? What should we be seeing? Well, let me give you some of these names. I think you do re- remember a bunch of them. Shelby Harris is still on the market. Dominican Sue is still on the market. Jadavion Clowney is still on the market. Marcus Peters is still there. There are a bunch of names that are still familiar now. I would have thought Marcus Peters would have engendered so much trust that somebody would have picked him up by now. That's surprising. What strikes me about what's left, and it's not a surprise, is age. It's a lot of very familiar, older players. Now, some of them have signed. Leonard Floyd recently signed. Big Al Woods, he's older than a bunch of these guys on this list. Uh, he signed. But what struck me is your biggest need. There are, there are a few amount of ends. Seriously, that Melvin Ingram is still out there and Clowney's yeah. out there. There are ends Any out nose there. tackles? No. No. Not really. I mean, is Adamakin Sue a nose tackle? Not really. He's, he's, more, a, he's a three technique. Right? Correct. And there's a is Shelby Harris a nose tackle? No, he's a three technique. Yeah, there's a bunch of those. A bunch of those guys. A bunch of 6'3", 305, right? A bunch of 6'4", 295. A bunch of, and then a bunch of ends that have been crafty. And then there's a clowny, as I said. But as far as just that, and people will say, well, then you should have signed Alwoods. Right? If you need a nose tackle, why in the world... Did you not sign Al Woods back? I Why didn't that, they sign Al Woods back? Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. I think that may be one that they kick themselves a little bit, a little bit like Max Unger, right? A little bit like some of these that are so beat up, and they know him, and they know him infinitely better than where did he end up? The Jets, uh, Bills, I think. He was Bills. I don't Bills, know. Jets, one of those teams in the AFC East. 
they don't know him like the Seahawks know him. They don't know what it took to nurse those injuries, right? And just how much time and effort and energy went into. So, you know, this is one of those projection games that they make and say, we're just not going to have him, right? Enough. When he's there and available, awesome. We're just not going to have him enough. But that still is a need, and we'll see between now and training camp or week two or week three of training camp is that trade. And inevitably, every year they make a trade in camp with some of their supply and some of their need if it comes that route because as many free agents are left, not really a nose tackle on the market. All right, question number two. So we're seeing some uniform tweaks, right? Arizona's tweaked theirs, sort of. Cleveland has a whole new mascot design, et cetera. Seahawks are going to throw throwbacks out there this year. When and if, if and when, should the Seahawks look into changing their uniforms again? When and if they're sold. Mm. And I know there was uh, a little bit of scuttlebutt about this. We didn't dig into it last week. I think it was the Wall Street Journal wrote an article about the Trailblazers. And obviously, Jody Allen is in charge of that as well. And, And I don't know if the dynamics of that are similar or different than the Seahawks. I know they're different in this way. And we've talked about this poison pill and nauseum. It's the second and nauseum, now third, in the first hour of the show, where the Seahawks are not going to sell until that poison pill is over in the amount of money they'd have to give back to the city because of the taxes and the bonds and everything that was given to them in building that stadium. That ends in 2024. So we know 23, 24, not going to happen. By all accounts, Pete and everybody in that building will tell you Uh, Miss Allen is loving what she is doing. She's engaged. She's attending owners meetings. I think this is a thrill for her. I think what Pete and John have built in this community and the fiber of this community that the Seahawks are. So in no way do I think this this team is going to be sold. But I also don't think any of those design changes happen until that happens. Maybe, I don't know, maybe as I'm just spitballing here, maybe when the day comes that Pete steps down. Right, maybe then you kind of look into it a little bit, but I think they're rolling pretty good. I, I think like those their uniform. I don't. Uniforms, I still think they look good. I don't oh, they're think they, incredibly I don't think they've sharp. gotten nope. old looking or anything like that. I don't. But when they made the change the first time, right, it was in Pete's tenure early, right? Yeah. And they made that shift. It was whatever after that was. two years. Yes, eleven, twelve. Like, ooh, yeah, these stick with these. And I remember we were down there when we first saw them. I remember seeing from the time being like, "Whoa, all right, those work." Yeah, those work. Yeah, I still think they look pretty good. And I'm excited for the throwbacks, but I still think the new ones are going to are, are in good Agreed. shape. Question number three. Rock, sum up the Seahawks offseason in one word or phrase. Rock, you wrote I'm, this question. It really shouldn't take you that long. To no, no, no. I reached. Well, hold on a second. I'll tell you why. I reached out to a few different people around oh, there okay. to see if I could get it from the inside to see if I could get a feeling from them because I have a feeling a little bit from the outside I was wondering from 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 the outside it's it's work I mean this team works this group your leaders love to work and that is why you know a month ago or whatever the Jamal Adams thing blew up a little bit because people say he's doing the same kind of work and he's getting and he's getting it done outside of the building and he largely is but man I love that this core starting with Gino I was going to say transformation, but that's too strong. Too strong. I don't think they've just transformed entirely, but they've added yet another class to the sophomore class that has transformed the program. But that rookie class last year, Geno Smith's transformation, body, mind, spirit, soul, all of it, and then throw in this rookies, maybe it isn't a stretch, actually. It's, it's pretty remarkable. It's not a rebuild. 
right? It's and it's not even a pivot or it's a, a transformation. Turn. Yeah, it's a transformation. Starting with Gino. <laughs> I mean, I, I I told you this last week in, in looking at him. There were some years ago. I'm like, gosh, does this guy even lift in the off season? Like he just he looks bad. He looks like a 40 year old man out there. I just know in that and now, holy smokes, he has added some lean muscle mass, which is. Which takes work at 30-something years of age. You have to be committed to it. Seriously. Yeah. You know what it's like to transform your body and, and, and the work and the discipline that takes. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I think you throw in these these two classes, last year's class, this year's class. That place has been largely transformed in just a couple short years. Very cool. That is today's Blue 88. We do it every morning at 745. I was thinking, Justin Moore, do you remember last year? Speaking of food and transforming your body, not always in the right way. Uh Remember last year I went to San Diego and I told you that I had the single best dessert I'd ever eaten? Yes, I do. So I'm going back to San Diego right after the 4th, uh, meeting my best friend there. I'm taking Cecily. She's taking her daughter. We're going to hang out for a few days, go to the zoo, etc. And uh, I was thinking about where should we eat while we're down there. And I was like, oh, like it hit me right between the eyes. Like, yes, I get to go back to that ice cream cookie sandwich place. It's like the best dessert I've ever had, and I sent it to her, and she's in. So I was like, look, we go to the zoo, we go to Legoland, go to SeaWorld. I don't really care. Go wherever you want. As long as we go to the baked bear, I'm in. That's the only thing I need to do while we're in San Diego. So. I'm pretty All excited right. about that. Well, if you if you think of it, go to the trailer park after dark. That's a good spot for you, too. You then. think that's going to be a good spot for a couple of uh, eight, nine-year-olds and stuff? You think that's going to be the spot? Send trailer the park after place. dark? Yeah. Trailer Is that what park it's called? after dark. It's a cool little downstairs spot. You know what? I trust Justin. Plant. Every place Justin's ever told me to go to has ended up being great except for one. Thank you. There's, it's only one miss, and all of the rest of them have been hits. So. You remember what the miss was? Yeah, but I'm not, I don't want to call them out. It's okay, local. I don't want to call them oh, out. Oh, fair. Fair. Don't do I'm that. Not, I'm not here to you know abuse any local restaurant or anything, no, but I was disappointed with one recommendation. Everything else has been great. All right. Justin's good. usually Thank on you. this stuff. All right. Well, Brock, you know what time it is? Have you played? You've played Whose Shoes, right? You understand what it means to put yourself uh, in another person's one shoes. Time. Only once? And I didn't do it well. I got right. made fun of, like Freddie Mercury. Well, tomorrow we'll do Which is Better. <laughs> Today yeah. we have Whose Shoes, and it's very different. It's next. Oh.